Hi, everyone. This is Food for Thought, a student-run, student-focused podcast here to feed your curiosity. I'm Elena. I'm Zach. Eduardo Chavez, grandson of legendary civil rights activist Cesar Chavez, screens his film Hailing Cesar, in which he takes a journey to understand the legacy of his grandfather and what it means today. The film addresses themes of labor rights, Latino empowerment, activism, and social justice. Chavez attended Loyola Marymount University and is currently a working actor in Los Angeles. He's also the co-founder of Latindia Studios. Thank you so much for joining us, Eduardo. Thank you. Thank you for having me. To get started, we'd like to ask our guests to talk about an inflection point, a place where they had to pivot or adjust in their career or personal lives. Can you share a moment with us? Uh, yes, that's actually a very simple question for me to answer because I had a very large pivot point in my life a few years ago. Um, growing up, I was a competitive golfer and I actually played in college on a golf scholarship. And after college, I played professionally for about a year and a half. I started playing golf when I was about 10 years old. And it was something that I was one of those kids that at a very young age had this like vision and idea of what they want to do with their life. And it was, I was kind of like one track minded around 12, 13 years old. I told myself, you know, I want to be a professional golfer and this is really what I want to do. So I, I you know, I practiced very hard. I continued on that path. I played in college. Uh, then I played professionally after and then maybe a year and a half into my professional career after having some like ups and downs and not a lot of early success, I got very frustrated and I finally kind of felt this like burnout that was like approaching. It hadn't happened yet, but I felt that it was approaching. So I decided to, you know, step back from the game of golf, take a little bit of a rest. The plan was to go back to the game and continue pursuing this, you know, this dream. And in that time off, I kind of started to realize that I had like some untapped talent that I had never really, you know, that I n never really knew that I even had. I, I, I played golf, I was always, always kind of into sports as a, as a young kid, but I never really had like a chance to like, uh, you know, use that cr like creative outlet. I always felt like I was a creative person, but it was kind of being held in because of like the life path that I had chosen. Uh, so in that break, I was living in Florida. I started taking acting classes just kind of for fun. My mom suggested, you know, you're going to have some time off to like kind of relax and get your head straight and really figure out what it is you want to do. I kind of did the acting classes as a, you know, kind of like get out of my shell. I always felt like I was a little bit of a shy person. So I kind of did it to just, you know, like this will be fun. Uh, get out of my shell, do some acting and see what happens. And very soon after that, I just fell in love with everything that film had to offer, like in front of the camera, acting, uh, behind the camera, just like cinematography, everything really that film had to offer. And, 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 you know, very soon after, maybe six months after, I decided to kind of make that, that pivot into another career path, uh, another life path. And about another six months after, a year after, you know, going full into the acting when I was living in Florida, I decided to move to uh, move back to Los Angeles and yeah, move back to Los Angeles and, you know, give the whole film industry my full shot. And sort of your first um, big production, it seems like, is this film Hailing Cesar, which is about Cesar Chavez. Um, what prompted you to make a film about your grandfather um, and why, um, after starting in acting, did you feel like directing was the way to go for you? Yeah. Um, so 
the as far as the, to answer the second question, as far as the acting to directing, um, I felt like uh, so I was in acting classes and I kind of got a good idea of like some acting technique and I started feeling more after a year. I always tell people after a year is like when I started really feeling comfortable like on the stage and like in front of the camera. So it took a long time just to kind of get out those like jitters of really feeling comfortable in trying to express yourself like um, on camera. So the plan was to continue with the acting, but then I kind of, uh, I kind of started having uh, uh, these these like uh, thoughts about this disconnection to my grandfather. He passed away when I was like a year and a half old, and so I never really had a good connection to who he was, like what his legacy means, you know, really why he's such an iconic figure. I felt like I was, you know, I'm related to him. He's my grandfather, but I didn't really know like what that meant. And I didn't know a lot about my family's history. So I felt very, very lost in a sense, uh, you know, like identity wise. So the plan was to, you know, I was going to continue doing acting and continue on that path. But on the side, like for personal reasons, I wanted to like, reach out to family members, try and like, you know, like read books about my grandfather, kind of trying to like absorb more, try and feel some kind of connection to him. And in my acting class that I had started in Los Angeles, I met a, a guy there who we connected very well. He became friends, you know, we became fast friends. And it was really his idea that said, you know, you've talked to me about this like whole like personal, you know, your whole personal journey, you're trying to go on to, you know, connect with your grandfather's legacy he's like this is a perfect you know topic for a film and then my first my first uh you know initial reaction was like i know nothing about that side like it's hard enough to uh, you know it's hard enough to act and get your lines and do all that stuff and now it's like you're in charge of everything but you know with a lot of like support from him to like push me over the edge to kind of like you know say let's let's try this out let's pursue this we just uh you know we we embarked on the on the journey to make this film and the whole process was a little bit over a year almost a year and a half and yeah it was very very gratifying and fulfilling it's very difficult but the you know the rewards in the end have been you know very fulfilling for me i feel like the film must be very personal for you because it, it i mean obviously you're talking about your grandfather but it's also your journey to finding your identity and who you are so it's a documentary. You're trying to, you know, create a narrative for the viewer to, you know, be able to empathize with and understand what parts didn't make it into the film. And while you were making the documentary, were there parts that you just didn't feel comfortable having a viewer see because it was very personal for you to have certain conversations, I'm sure. So as a, you know, creative person, how do you decide what's for the world to see and what's just for you to see? Yes, that's, that's a fantastic question. Um, I would say as far as what got left out of the film, there was a lot that got left out of the film because, you know, what, you know, the, our film's like just over an hour long, which is pretty short for a documentary, but that was kind of the plan was to make it, uh, around that like 60 minute, like sweet spot. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that got left out. We filmed, we probably had like 40 or 50 hours of footage, which is on the low end. I got really good advice early on that said like, whatever you, want to film in a day, cut it by like 60%. Because on the back end and post-production, when you're editing the film, it's going uh, to... We hired an editor. I didn't edit the film, but it's going to drive the editor crazy. It's just going to cause so much more stress because 
there's so much more footage to sift through. There's so much, so many more issues that can happen. You have to start making like even more difficult choices. So we had like 40, 50 hours. So there was definitely a lot that got uh, left out of the film. I would say the real personal, like the, a lot of the personal stories and personal moments that got left out of the film were more uh, from my dad's perspective. So the per it's kind of a personal journey story where I'm trying to understand the legacy of my grandfather and my dad was his eldest son. So I kind of use my dad as like kind of like the, the bridge to my grandfather. You know, it's just one generation gap there. So there was a lot of stories and my growing up, my dad was always like kind of like closed off. He didn't talk a lot about his father. He didn't talk a lot about that experience of growing up with this iconic figure as a father. So he had a lot of difficult situations in the film where he was, you know, divulging a lot of personal information. And some of them got left out, not really because they were too personal, but more because we wanted to make a film that had a lot of like, like very personal, intimate moment, moments, but then at the same time, like have some like light moments and have some breathing. So it's not like a full, like, I, I like films that are like emotional, like documentaries, but I never want, I, I never like to watch a film, especially a documentary that after uh, you finish it, it, it makes you feel almost like, you know, like guilty or like sad. I, I kind of wanted those light moments and like having that breathing room in between the heavy moments. So as far as stuff that got left out, definitely from my dad's perspective, there was. And to answer the second question, um, I think when you're like a creative person, especially like in film, like the film medium, and you're making something about yourself that's very personal, I think the hardest thing to do is to um, forget about how you're going to be perceived. And I think the thing with, I got a lot of good advice um, in regards to making uh, making this documentary, which is like a personal journey story where I've, I'm the director and I also am in the film and most in pretty much all of the films. So there's a lot of, it's a, it's like a tightrope you have to walk between, uh, you know, some people may perceive it as like, Oh, vanity project, or it's like self-indulgent. So I think the best way that we navigated that is just to be as honest and authentic as possible. And there was definitely a lot of stuff that I didn't like, as far as like, oh, but I'm going to come across this way or I'm going to come across that way. But I got our team was really good in pushing me into saying, you know, just just leave it. It's authentic. And it's just for the story's sake. It's, you know, it, it's how you would, uh, you know, it's how you would recount your story to someone not on film. So we kind of kept it as tried to keep it as authentic as possible. And, you know, once you, the first times you watch it with audiences around and you're like, in the whole film and you're going through this like oh, a lot of these emotions it's a little uncomfortable but it wears off fast and and then it just is nice to have this you know time in my life documented had you ever delved into your past or your family before um this film because your other grandfather is also was also a um, prolific cuban activist um was that like a huge part of your family growing up or was it not really talked about um, you said your dad was closed off, but maybe with other right, people. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. So um, part of the reason that I wanted to make this film and just go on this personal journey to better understand my grandfather's, my, uh, my paternal grandfather's legacy is because I saw my other grandfather who I grew up with. Um, I was very close to him. I, uh, you know, we used to, me and my family, my, my brother, sister, and my parents, we would spend like all summers in Miami with my maternal grandparents 
and he had his amazing story and he would always tell me stories about Cuba and the revolution and Castro and all this stuff that I just grew up with. Like I knew so much about this grandfather who in his own right is an incredible person and has an amazing history. But on the other side, I had this, this other grandfather who's on another scale, another level. It's like a whole nother level. And this, you know, growing, growing up in California, it's like, I was always constantly reminded of it with, you know, in college, I went to LMU to Loyola Marymount and we got it off as a holiday and there's street signs and, and murals and all these things that like kept constantly reminding me of the disconnection. So then when I looked at the other side, I said, okay, you know, it wasn't that difficult to find the connection, even though my maternal grandfather was alive and he's still alive. I think I could do it on the other side, just through other people. And that was kind of the, that was kind of a lot of the inspiration for it was trying to kind of like mesh those two sides of my family together so I could have like a better idea of like, you know, my family history and identity. I think your your story of having curiosity about your family's past and having family where I think when, you know, in your case, it was someone who he's in the Latino community. He's like a, he's a, such a role model, right? That I'm sure having that, you know, cloud over you you know, creates lots of curiosity of who he is and who he is really, right? right those right. are two very different yes, people. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Um, but even for other, you know, children who their families, you know, their grandparents were immigrants or their parents were immigrants, those aren't necessarily stories that those families want to recount either. So when speaking to people, you know, how did you start that conversation and, you know, create a space where people felt comfortable speaking about, you know, your grandfather, maybe some of the sides of your grandfather that aren't really talked about, um, because it's not always something that's talked right. about within the Latino community or right, just right. with families in general. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was difficult. I, I, you know, I think like I remember the first, uh, you know, the first time that we were going to go film like interviews, so to speak, there weren't really, there's not a ton of formal interviews in the film, but we did talk to a lot of people. Or kind of more shot on the go. But I remember the night before trying to kind of think, how am I going to approach this? Like, how am I going to, how am I going to lead into these questions softly to, to kind of make sure that like people open up and there's kind of like a whole, like something I've gotten better at a lot now. But if I, you know, when I make a second film, I think I'll, you know, have more of that, uh, that skill, like a little bit more locked down than the first time. So I didn't really know. So I kind of just went in it like very bare and just like dove right in. And surprisingly, what I noticed in speaking to people is that people that weren't related to uh, me or to my grandfather is that he had such a profound impact on so many people's lives that it was amazing that I would be talking to people and then I would start asking them questions about my grandfather and they would almost like light up like it was uh, like recounting, almost like recounting the good old days. And so many people uh, that I spoke to you know, like, remember, like, I remember marching with your grandfather, I remember volunteering for the UFW, I remember the great boycott. And really, it's crazy to think across so many different diverse backgrounds, all across the country, I meet people that, you know, were touched by his life, which uh, to me is, is was like, initially was the most uh, eye opening thing was, you know, I knew he was obviously very important. He was an iconic figure, but it, it didn't, I, I really wasn't close. You know, I really didn't, I really didn't know compared to 
when I actually experienced it and how many people told me about, you know, all these stories that they, you know, encountered with him and how, you know, excited they were to, uh, to talk about him so many years later. Is there anything that um, you took or you take from your grandfather's activism that you apply um, or an attitude that you apply to your own activism? Yeah, um, I think, I think, you know, so growing up, I always like understandably because who my grandfather is kind of have always been put and I think it will happen forever put into kind of pegged into like a corner as the grandson of an activist specifically like a Latino activist and also even more specifically like a organizer of uh, labor of farm workers specifically. So um, as I've gotten older and I've become more comfortable with having this, this background um, I've kind of realized that really like I have a great opportunity with this platform, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a platform to mimic what he did. I, I think that would be, you know, I feel like he, you know, my grandfather is, I feel like he's on the same level of some of the great like humanitarian leaders that the world's ever seen. So, you know, to try and follow in his footsteps would be ridiculous. But I do take things from studying his life that, you know, I feel like everybody can apply into their own lives, just, you know, not even as an activist, but personally applying to my own life and to kind of my uh, activism through film is that, that like dedication to the cause that like that, you know, that like relentless uh, pursuit of the passion. Uh, my grandfather is like a prime example of someone that he wasn't necessarily the most charismatic speaker. Uh, you know, people think of great leaders, you know, the first one that comes to mind, like recently is Barack Obama. And he was like, I saw him speak once and he was like, it was breathtaking. It was like the most charismatic speaker. My grandfather, not so much. He wasn't like this imposing figure when you would see him that he would have, you know, he was, he was a very normal guy. He was sixth grade education, uh, but he had this like abnormal passion. He was just so excited about organizing farm workers that like his optimism was off the charts in a time when it shouldn't have been, you know, trying to, uh, trying to uh, take on that, that, that path of trying to liberate farm workers and trying to improve their conditions. When he started, there was really no reason he should have been optimistic, but I think he was just so passionate about that cause that he kind of, it, it didn't matter. It, was a ma it wasn't a matter of, you know, can this be done? It's just a matter of when it's going to be done. So I definitely uh, try and, you know, take those, those, those same ideals into my own life and realize that uh, the passion, finding a passion is so important. And once you find it, it everything else kind of takes care of itself. You know, you get excited to, to work on that, uh, work on that passion. I think one thing, you know, talking about your grandfather's passion and his dedication to the cause, you know, I think sometimes when we think about these great activists, we, for, we forget about the sacrifices that were made, right? And the reality of what it means to be an activist and to dedicate yourself to a cause. Um, what parts of your documentary really touched to that? And do you think that plays into why your, your dad was closed off at some points about talking about your grandfather? Because maybe he had a very different perception of activism than all of these people that have idolized your grandfather. Yes, yes, I, I could could have sworn you've seen the film with these questions because it's it's spot on. So that is 
essentially uh my film has this like running theme of my the reason my dad was closed off was because of growing up with his father being an activist and not really necessarily being home always so it caused a lot of uh I think it caused a lot of like pain, a lot of trauma. There was a lot of difficult times for my dad as, as a direct result of who his father was and what his father was doing. So I think, you know, my dad, he, my dad grew up, he had to start working in the fields, picking, you know, fruits and vegetables when he was like 13. And he was the oldest of eight siblings. And so he had to like take on his, you know, my grandfather was out organizing uh, farm workers, which is there's no financial compensation for that. My grandmother was working like three or four jobs just to put food on the table for the family. And so my dad at a young age had to start, you know, playing like a like another father figure almost. And so I think it was just difficult. He had to like grow up very fast. And he himself uh, kind of almost disassociated himself from everything that had to do with his father growing up because it was very like traumatic and he wasn't always there, you know, for him. So um, it was definitely a running theme in in our film was kind of showing that these great leaders are they're amazing people they have amazing they're very high moral people and they have amazing dedication to a cause but there's also uh a lot of people around them that need to sacrifice a lot you know it's kind of like that gets missed but what's all we end up seeing uh you know the we end up seeing the stories of the great boycott and the farm workers for the first time getting these like better benefits and better working conditions but the people that were really close you know they a lot of them missed out on a father and missed out on you know uh a lot of stuff you know a husband a lot of stuff like that so it was definitely uh i think that was the root of uh that disconnection between me and my grandfather was because of uh you know my father's experience growing up um, unfortunately, we're, we're running out of time, but we like to ask one last question to every one of our guests, and that is, what is your definition of success, and what advice would you give to students in pursuing that definition or defining success for themselves? I would say it's a very difficult question. Success, to me, success is progress. Uh, it's very difficult to, I don't like to... Um, I don't really like to have uh, like goals that are kind of end goals. Uh, I feel like that can be kind of limiting because you never know everything, you know, you can adjust always on the way. But I feel like as human beings and especially myself, when I'm my happiest and, you know, doing my best in life, like personally, like professionally is when I see progress. Like when I can look back two months ago and I've I've bettered as a person, as a filmmaker, as a, you know, brother, sister, a anything like that. When the, when there's a, when you have that progress, I feel like that's when, you know, that's when you can have, uh, you can like kind of start to feel like you're being successful. Uh, as an end result thing, I think success can be measured in like a million different ways. It kind of all depends on like what your values are, what's important to you. But definitely, I think kind of, valuing progress more than success i feel like is more important and you know being less uh results oriented i think is is you know it's i think i take it as kind of like the process is more important than the results because if you are 
very focused and very dedicated to the process, the results will come, but you can't really control the results. So, yeah, I think progress is, for me, progress is success. Well, that is all the time we have, but Eduardo, thank you so much for joining us. And to all our listeners out there, remember to stay hungry.